I think being assertive is a difficult thing to do in parkour and it's a privileged thing, I guess I could say. So I guess my question at the end of this all is like, can we be doing more? So how about Joe Scandrit? <laughs> this guy jumping from the highest thing possible. That's the biggest drop I've ever seen to a pole slide going full Batman. Like I feel, I feel like you could you could edit the video to him having like a cape and like diving to that pole. But the other layer to this that he still hasn't been very public about, and that I alluded to on a previous episode of STS, is that poor Joe had has torn his Achilles tendon and he was in a boot, and so he had a previous post where he was doing a pole slide with the boot on. This one does not have a boot on, but you can see at the very bottom of the slide he definitely just lands on the other leg. So not only is he just unafraid to do stuff like this while being compromised, it's just so wild to me, the, like the level his brain is at. I feel like another meme you can make about Joe Scandrid is that Joe, Joe is not afraid of heights, heights are afraid of Joe. It's like a classic uh, Chuck Norris style joke. Yeah. You know, what would make it more like Batman is if it was done at night. Yeah, we could, I mean, I think this still could be edited. There's gotta be someone out there that can, that can uh, make this happen. Like, you see, have you seen those uh, videos on Instagram where someone will take, say, a parkour video or something and then replace it with, I think it's an AI-generated yes, yes, like, digital yes, version yes, yes. of them? Uh, you know uh, Michael Martin? Yeah. He did that with one of, like, my clip. He, oh, turned, he turned me into a robot. I didn't see that one. Which, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what, what were you doing in the clip? I saw him do one of Corey. It's an, it's an old one that mm -hmm. I did, uh, like... A dive thread it's at ubc i did like a dive thread and then like a little like log roll underneath the rail and then like a back roll thing I mean, it's just it was a cool clip it was really cool but uh i was a robot so did, did you like when that happened when they turned cool. you into a robot? Yeah, i mean it was, i mean all right is it really cool like no i mean it still looks fake and not like i'm a real robot mm -hmm. but uh but i don't know it's like it's a little bit of flattery you know but he, he shot that, so like it's really, you know his clip. He 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 did uh, film me doing that. Like, I see years ago. Yeah, I I know Callum had this done to him, and he was like, "This is stupid. I hate AI." <laughs> was his his reaction? But I I do think if if someone takes it to another level and actually yeah I don't know turns gives Joe Scandrit like a Batman cape or something and makes it look like night, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, people have done it to where like. They they use AI to make it, not necessarily like a robot doing it, but like in, turns people into characters, and somebody could totally do that with turning Joe into Batman. Mm -hmm. That'd be sick. So, do you think he he earns uh, Athlete of the Year in twenty twenty four? Like for me, I think he was my number two, about like under Ellis. Yeah, yeah, same for me. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to because because of this injury. Yeah. I mean, all he can do right now is pull slides. Well, uh, pretty soon he's probably going to be able to do descents to some degree. But that's his whole game, right? And it, it's what's the other layer to this that's kind of fascinating to me is that this injury, instead of so so you have people like me and probably anyone else who has has torn their Achilles they'll kind of start and has like a boot on they'll start posting like soft parkour you know yeah yeah yeah. softcore yeah <laughs> and not joe <laughs> he's like here i am at here i am at the gym 
here I am with the homies who are doing stuff. And then here's a post of me doing the exact same thing yeah. I was known yeah. for pre-injury. Uh, and guess what? I can still do it essentially on one leg. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I do think it's going to be hard for him to earn Athlete of the Year this year. Just because recovery from this injury and then like doing doing the other the other things he's good at, you know, like uh, flip to slide, you know, he did a lot of those descents. You know, he's got to be able to like absorb impact on his feet. I'm just trying to think in the scenario where you're doing more of like a, a drop cat, but into a crane landing, and he's the top foot is like his good leg. <laughs> I don't know, like crane, like there's I don't know. There's still some like yeah yeah and especially on an Achilles tear it's gonna be scary. But. I don't know it just freaks me out like yeah. it's the it's the the injury I think that freaks me out most, and I like even this week I'm like we're teaching like wall pops and wall runs and I'm freaking out while I'm coaching <laughs> just like it's like even like demoing it I'm like is this the one <laughs> you know like whenever I see someone run at a wall in the gym and they're using like excessive speed. For, for what they're trying to attempt. Yeah. And then I hear a loud noise on the wall, which oftentimes is just like their foot clapping on the wall. I, the, I, get, the, I get the feeling that- yep. There it goes. <laughs> that something happened. Cause that's, that's what it is like, is, is usually you see someone put excessive force into a wall takeoff and you hear a loud clap and that means Achilles gone. Yeah. All right. Stuff. That's All where right. this conversation yep. went again. Okay. Great. Let's, let's, uh, let's bring it on back. So, <laughs> So I was uh, having a session uh, the other day uh, during open gym, and this is a light sesh, so I'm not trying to do anything big, anything serious, and the gym is packed. Yeah. There's like 60 people in the gym, a lot of them children and parents, and I'm having a tough time getting turns in because of how we know open gym at a parkour gym is, is like when it's all ages and it's the middle of the day. And this is something that gets complained about a lot with, with parkour gyms in general. Uh, some gyms are way more open than we are. We, we do have some uh, rules and etiquette that we try to enforce. And so I think we do maybe a little bit better job than certainly a lot of gyms out there. There might be gyms out there that are doing an even better job than we are. And I would love to hear in the comments like different um, ways of enforcing etiquette like what's worked and what hasn't worked. But even during this session, uh, there's parents who are trying to like wrangle their children to like pay attention to me. Like, oh, he's about to, like they, they catch on. But it's funny because I'll be standing there and I'm training alone, which is also another issue. But I'm training by myself and they don't even notice that I just did a rep and I turn around, I'm going to do the same thing again. They, they don't notice that I'm going to do the same thing again. So that's like an issue. And, and some of them, I, I do have to say, some of them were doing like a fantastic job of, of trying to be aware, but because they don't practice parkour and because they have a limited orientation, it's still not enough. And I start to think also about how it feels being in a jam, in a big jam. And sometimes that situation sucks too, because we have like athletes that'll be uh, sitting on walls that they shouldn't be sitting on. Or putting their bags on the wall. Yeah. And they'll, it'll still be tough to like get your turn in sometimes yeah. to the point where I know athletes like uh, Daryl Stingley, he won't train at a big jam simply because he knows he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do. And you almost have to be bold 
in order to do what you want to do. Like if you want to do a longer line, for example, you need to be bold enough to like get some people to help watch out for you and things. And so if you're like a lower skilled person, you're almost just forced to sit back. And, and like I said, unless you're really bold, uh, but it's almost like you're either bold or you're really like a somebody. Yeah. And so people will make room for you. But if you're just trying to do a longer-ish line, but you're not none of those things, then you really have your work cut out for you. And you might not have a good time at, at the jam. And so I guess my question at the end of this all is like, can we be doing more to first establish a better etiquette in big group scenarios whether it's open gym or jam so that because i'm i'm leaving this uh, i'm leaving this scenario of open gym trying to really like think inward of of what can be done better because it's easy to point the finger i guess at the general public and say like well they just don't get it but i also think parkour people don't always get it like don't always know how to how to behave in a good way that allows everyone to take turns and not crash into each other. So again, the question that I'm I guess I'm trying to ask is, can we can we be doing a better job and and uh, what what would that look like? So okay, so the first the first thing that comes to mind is actually not even like people being in the way, but it's bags being in the way. I already mentioned it, but it's like it's like if we're going to a spot. Like first of all, it's really hard to predict what people are gonna want to use. So it makes that that's what makes parkour kind of difficult sometimes is like, oh, I'm not gonna put it on the bench, I'm gonna put it on the curb. Damn it. Like somebody wants to use the curb. Yeah. Um, or like, all right, I'll just use the flat ground. Ah, somebody's got a tricking combo, you know? Like, so it's hard to predict. But um, but at a base level, like generally speaking, don't put things on a wall. Like, put it on like the ground next to the wall, at least, you know, like don't put it on a wall because the walls are like the things we generally use the most. Uh, so that's like one thing that comes to mind. Uh, another thing, and so and, and if you spot somebody putting it on the wall, like try to tell them, you know, we should be, we should be vocal. And we also like, we should, we should try to encourage each other to be more bold in scenarios, right? Don't, don't like hide away and be like, oh, I guess I'm not gonna do the jump that I really wanted to do. And it's like, no, 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 like like assert yourself and say, hey, I would like to do this jump. Can somebody watch out for me? I think I think being assertive is a difficult thing to do in parkour and it's a privileged thing, I guess I could say. And even I will shy away from doing things because I because you know I don't wanna tell everybody, oh, hey, can you guys stop for a second? Let me try. And that's very, definitely difficult to do. But I think we were talking about this earlier this week and you mentioned train with somebody. Just have somebody else with you. Even at a jam, you're training with a lot of people. But if you're actually working on things together with somebody else, you're more likely to be assertive and be like, hey, watch out for Joe. He's about to do this jump. Instead of instead of just like, oh, like I'm training by myself. I want to do this jump, but I'm not going to tell anybody to move because they're also doing their jumps. So being assertive, it's a hard skill to have. Um, but it's easier when you're with other people who are also trying to work on the same things. And that's true for like training in public in general, right? It's like if you're training in public, especially in like high visibility areas, it feels weird doing it by yourself. But even with one other person, it feels infinitely better. I pulled up a poster of a, a skate park etiquette. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I don't skate. I, I don't go to skate parks but it's a very similar type of activity, like in terms of 
the use of space and the use of directions. I think the only thing that you don't have to look out for that you might have to look out for in parkour is someone descending. <laughs> right. I guess there's the sense in terms of like, I don't know. It's, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Right? I do. I yeah. do feel like skateboarding is even a little bit more predictable than parkour is. For sure. Yeah. Right. Just less directions uh, is one of them. Yeah. You're, you're probably right there. And, and like somebody might jump to a wall mm-hmm. and you were like, Cool. They're climbing up it. Nope. They're coming right back. They were, they had their back facing me and I assumed wrong, you know, and they still came back in my direction. So yeah, I think parkour tends to be less predictable. Yeah. So I, skateboarding is similar. So. Yeah. So I, I get this poster and actually it's funny enough going through the list of things on the poster is not that different than the mangled parkour etiquette posters that we currently there have. We posted up at Warsons Park where they're long overdue for a, a remake, but it's, it is things like don't sit on the, uh, the, the ledges yeah. that are in the middle of the skate park and similar to a parkour gym. Like don't just sit on the walls. They're not furniture. If you're going to sit or stand somewhere, it should be to the outside. Once again, parkour practitioners will, I'll make this mistake all the time. I'll make it when I'm coaching. I'll make it when I'm at open gym, I'll kind of lean or stand or sit or just meander. <laughs> Yeah. On top of walls and things, assuming they're enough for me to stand on. And part of it is now I'm thinking like, should I be setting a better example? Should I be really on like my, my P's and Q's when it comes to, to etiquette? Because that's how it's going to start is like with, with leadership. And so some of the other things you're saying about, for example, like trying to get someone to be more, uh, what was the word you used? Assertive. Assertive. So this was on the skateboard poster, which I thought was a nice... A little nod and, and I'm sure a lot of these posters get ignored um, I, I just found a couple of them when I when I googled uh, but both of them had a note about like helping beginners mm, yeah as part of the etiquette and that's something that we don't currently have um, posted anywhere but I'm just thinking of uh, these are probably the, some of the things that get overlooked when planning like a big jam not always I think I've, I've been to certain jams where there's clearly like appointed leaders but it's something to consider if you're say you're the commons uh, who hopefully is listening, and you're planning a big jam, that's something that could be missing is like, do you have people that are actually walking around and almost as like a quality control to make sure that people are having a good time? Because I think what happens is you get people that are staff of a jam and their job is more about the the bigger things that are happening, moving equipment, getting snacks, getting, you know, just like the material things versus going around and being someone who is trying to check in with people to make sure they're having a good time at the gym. Part of that is like recognizing who the beginners are that are shy and trying to make sure that they get something that they can do and that they feel welcome to, to try amongst mm-hmm. the, the big people, you know, like whether they're big in size or just so big in ability. This is a, this is a great point is like, you know, not only do they feel welcome, but also, so that they can behave in a way that makes makes it so that other people don't resent them, right? So, and the, the reason I bring this up is because when I was young, I went to a skate park. I was kind of getting into skateboarding. I didn't really spend much time do, getting too deep into skateboarding, but I was like, oh, okay. I was young and I was like, yeah, let's try skateboarding. Went to a skate park, famous skate park of Tampa, and I'm walking around with my buddy and I walk 
right through the half pipe. Like literally like down the middle of it. And that's not an abnormal thing to do, but there was a guy who like had to like bail off his board, do a knee slide. And an older guy who in retrospect might've been the owner of the skate park. He like, he like walked over to me and he's like, look both ways before you cross. And it was one of those things where I like immediately felt bad. I was like, oh, I ruined that guy's line or I ruined that guy's trick or whatever he was doing. But it was like a big brother moment, so to speak, where this guy was basically like, hey, like this is the etiquette and you should try to follow it. And he walked away and I, and I walked away from it, from that, like being a better person. And now moving forward, I'm less likely to make somebody resent me for cutting them off while they're doing their trick. And so the same is true for like at a jam, right? If you see somebody who's maybe a newer or a beginner or even just a, a regular practitioner who's sitting on a wall that everybody wants to jump to, go over and be like, hey, like, can you move? Also just like make sure you're not sitting on walls that are like probably gonna be used. In fact, find a, the outskirts to, to watch if you're not gonna be doing anything right now. But yeah, I think it's important that we educate newcomers or even reinforce behaviors of, of existing practitioners to make sure that other people don't view them as a nuisance or become like passive aggressive towards them because it's important, that's important, right? And people can make mistakes, you know? It's like, oh, I sat down on a wall, wanted to tie my shoe, take a break, but I didn't realize, oh no, I'm sitting right in the path of, of like somebody else trying to do a line. And they're like, oh, I can't do my line because that guy stood in there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, just the thought that I was having it made me remember a story about uh, yeah. going to a skate park when I was just like, had no idea how to behave and then just being kind of nudged in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, this is something that, again, I just started trying to think a little bit more deeply about after last week's experience because it, it's just, it feels like the whole uh, insanity loop mm -hmm. where like, oh, this, keep, I keep, this keeps happening and like we, you know, people don't get it and stuff, but it's like, have we changed much to, to, or have I changed much or done much to get more people to get it? And then I, and then I just went on this like path of, okay, maybe, maybe that comes second. Maybe actually we can be doing a better job of the people that actually know what's up. Because I think you said this, that at a park, like, okay, if you have a room, a parkour gym or a parkour spot with 60 people, if the 60 people are all parkour practitioners, it's going to be better than 60 people who are just a mixed bag of general public and a lot of them maybe not even understanding what parkour is or they're like, you know, beginners, right? Which is just a mixed bag. It's, it's definitely going to be better with the 60 people being all people in the know. However, it's still, again, collisions still happen. The the sitting on stuff still happens. The putting your stuff on stuff still happens. The feeling like I can't really go do any cool challenges because I feel like I'm, I don't want to insert myself and it feels like there's no space, but there's a bunch of people being bold. So it's just this tricky thing because I also, I also feel like 
Uh, and I'm speaking from the point where I don't feel like I have the solutions. Like I don't want to talk about this as a trying to tell everyone how to do it, you know, sort of thing. It's, it's just something that I think is worth exploring more. And I'd be really happy to hear in, in comments of anyone that has any ideas or anything they've tried like that's that's different than the norm because one thing comes to mind is like announcing announcing like that you're gonna go yeah um which i remember when i trained with uh, Alyssa more anytime she was at a big jam she would actually do that she would announce going because she just didn't feel safe otherwise that someone was going to and she would often try to communicate with other people to do the same thing right because she didn't feel like just just taking off for a line was was enough if if there were a lot of people that could potentially cross paths with her, paths with her but that's another thing that i think some people might feel uncomfortable doing unless everyone's doing it yeah so if every time i'm in the gym if i just start saying going every time i'm about to do something maybe other people would start catching on and doing the same thing but i also don't know if i'm ready to start doing that because it might be weird. I could, I, you know, there might be some, if you're listening to this, you might be thinking like, I don't think I can do that. And it sounds unnecessary. And so I'm wondering like, do, do you think that's unnecessary or do you think that's something that could be implemented? I think, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to do. It just, it's, you know, maybe there's sometimes when it's going to be unnecessary. Maybe when the jam is only five people and it's a very large spot or you're at open gym and there's only a handful of people and everybody's in kind of in different areas or you're actively training and doing the same challenge as a bunch of the same people. So everybody knows and you're just in line to go. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not necessary there, but yeah, like the more crowded the spot gets, the more you're going to have to be assertive, as I said earlier. And, and part of that might just be like, Hey, I'm about to go, you know, just kind of like, notifying the people in your general You don't feel like that's a big ask though for like most parkour people. Again, if you're not, if particularly if you're, particularly if you're, if you're not very skilled to, to be assertive. Oh, that's a huge ask. Yeah. I mean, I think even like in recent years I've been to a skate park and I'm clearly the most beginner person there. And I feel super intimidated with taking up space and being in the, in the, Like even in the small area that I'm in, because like, I don't know if somebody's going to want to use this area. You know, it's definitely a huge ask. But I guess like, you know, that's where somebody who's more experienced should be hopefully looking out for people like that, you know, and and being encouraging and like even holding, hey, hold up, like they're going, you know. Like you could have somebody else do that for you. But yeah, it's difficult. I don't know. Again, we don't have the answers. This is, we're just kind of spitballing some stuff on paper. Yeah. See what sticks. I I just think I'm getting tired of uh, hearing complaints about how open gyms are run at certain facilities. And again, some of them aren't doing anything at all to make it a better experience. And I've been to gyms where it like outright just looks dangerous the way the way some yeah. kids are behaving kids uh, like hiding hiding underneath obstacles yeah. that you're literally jumping to and it's like are you serious or like throwing equipment or like hitting each other with foam noodles or whatever yeah yeah that's that's been just blatantly like outright wrong mm-hmm. behavior and that's just not it's not being enforced in any way yeah it's like the parkour park 
or the parkour gym becomes just another playground. Yeah. And you know, it is like it, but, yeah, but, but it's designed not, for a specific purpose. It's not, yeah, yeah. It has, a, it has a specific purpose and it shouldn't deviate very far outside of that purpose. And that's, it's hard to do at a parkour park, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to some degree, you're just going to have to deal with kids coming through. But at the same time, I, you know, Hey kids, watch out for a second. This guy's going to jump, you know? Yeah. I, I just think that if there's enough people in the know that start changing their behavior to show what good etiquette is, then potentially the general public can, can pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it easier to establish, cause, establish rules. Because if you go to a parkour gym and you don't like the way the open gym is run, simply just telling the owners like, hey, you have too many kids here running around. They're just going to respond with, well, they're paying drop-in just like you. That's that. But if you were to come in and have some sort of established etiquette that you yourself are practicing and then present that to the gym and also add the value point of, hey, you might get less accidents <laughs> yeah. if you implement this. I, I think it could help. I think it could help make, make that case better. Because like I said, it's, I've, I've been to jams where I just don't, like big jams where I just don't feel like I can, I can train well because of the sheer volume of people. Or I can't do like, if there's like, specifically if there's like something that I might really be into attempting, but like there's a cool challenge I might be into doing or, or building a line around or something. It often feels like at a big jam, there's just too many people. And then there's no, there, there's no one appointed to like, there's clearly, there's clearly staff of the jam, but there's no one appointed to be like jam guides, which Mm -hmm. I think could be like a help. It's something I'm really thinking about the next time we uh, host a big jam having because I've had jam guides in so much as teaching beginners workshops at like the, the start of the jam and then making sure people know where to go. Right. But I think as an additional layer to that, they could also be going around and just making sure that everyone is, is essentially having a good time. Are you getting the space you need? Is there anything I can do to help with that? Facilitate it. We, we've already talked about how training with a, a partner um, or being part of a group makes that experience so much easier. But people are shy. People are introverted. And I think it's hard to expect someone who feels outside of a group or outside of a certain clique at a jam to be assertive and insert themselves. Whereas if there's an appointed person that takes this shy person and introduces them to the group that could be potentially like a better um, situation for everybody. Yeah. I don't know if I have any more questions on the matter, but I'm definitely, like I said, I, I keep saying, I'm definitely open to comments on this. Uh, if, if just, if, if you've been to a jam or if you've run a jam and tried anything along these lines, try to establish etiquette, and if anything's ever worked, because I just haven't seen it. Also, you know, guilty. I've, I've only been to a handful of big jams for as long as I've been doing parkour for really? outside outside of here. 
outside of here. Like big, okay, so like, you know, I've been to Hubble Bowl, I've been to Join or Die, been to Beast Coast. Move NYC? Move NYC. I've been to uh, some like gym, uh, post-event type jams, that sort of thing. You've been to like Seattle jams? Yeah, but like I, I think there's just like a, a certain threshold of people that I'm really kind of thinking about here where it's like, you know, more than more than 50 at a, at a single yeah. location. I feel like the Boston jams are always huge relative to like what yeah. we experience on the West and Coast. I, and I'm not trying to hate on the experience because um, it, is, it is a good one, but I do feel like I went to Hubble and Join or Die uh, this past year. And depending on the location, it was hard to harder to train. Uh, you, you go to uh, Josiah, is that the? Quincy, yeah. Josiah, Josiah Quincy. Quincy. Massive spot bigger than any gym you could possibly go to so no problem there <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i was about to say like we had we were, we were able to find our own mm-hmm. little tuck away spots yeah without any interference with other other people but the uh the previous day for hubble was been, pierce oh yeah, yeah and that was a much more concentrated smaller although there was like another side to the school that i wasn't introduced to until like the end of the jam yeah yeah and I had wished that I had known about that <laughs> earlier, yeah. earlier, but uh, it still kind of had the same vibe where it was just uh, too too small of a spot or a spot with not enough things to allow for everyone to just freely move about. Yeah, and and at at Hub the gym jam. Yes, that's where you, I had a collision. You had a collision, <laughs> which <laughs> this is part of our conversation the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just like, that was just a lot of people plus super loud music. So you couldn't really commute, you couldn't say, hey, going, <laughs> you know, there's no, no way to really stop that from happening other than just if somebody was like watching and just like, no, stop, no, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I uh, recall it like join or die also, there were, there were some people from, out of town, you know, guest athletes yeah. that were able to, <laughs> I, uh, I remember one guy, an individual, uh, I'm struggling to remember his name at the moment. Um, I know who he is. It's just, I'm having a, one of those, uh, one of those, uh, but anyways, he would routinely find like the biggest jump at the spot. Okay. And I, I thought it was kind of silly because it's like movable structures. Okay. And I always find it kind of silly to try to find the biggest jump on the movable structures because they're like, the, to me, to There's, me, it's not a good parkour challenge. It's just like, we could move this a little closer if you want, or like, you know, it's, 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 it's just kind of weird to me. Um, but anyways, he, he repeatedly tried to find the biggest one. And on one day he was just getting like loads of people to move. Like everyone was like supporting him too. Like, Oh, move for him, move for him. And on the second day, this happened again. And just like the whole there, there must have been like a hundred people at this undercover spot and the whole place just stops and goes quiet for him. And then someone started like a clap and he's like, no, no, please don't. And then when he, um, like a slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then he eventually like goes to go for it. And this is after like, I felt like it was very disruptive and I, I wasn't training. I was, I was sick, just, just hanging out on the side, trying to be observant, but also feeling miserable when he eventually goes for this, uh, jump, he doesn't go for it. Oh, like he runs up and he's like, oh, no, no, I'm not feeling it. And it was just weird because it was this whole, 
disruption for him to attempt yeah and then he didn't end up attempting it well i guess like yeah this is kind of like the the uh, the downside of being assertive mm-hmm. is like you stop you might stop everyone else's training for you to do something and then you're still not willing to commit because of whatever maybe you're scared or it's difficult or now you have eyeballs on you and there's like additional pressure so yeah the downside of being assertive in the moment so i don't know maybe that's not a good solution (laughs) i I think i think it's part of the solution yeah because part of the solution is making yourself known and i another sport we could actually uh relate to where this issue can happen is is climbing so if you go to a busy climbing gym there's uh sometimes the risk of crossing routes but because it's so much more predictable it just doesn't happen as often. Yeah, because they have pre-planned routes that people are typically mm-hmm. following, and yeah. and it's also less dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can happen with kids, though. Like yeah. you can have, uh, and I've heard some stories about this where, uh, and the solution is one that I don't necessarily agree with. Where a lot of climbing gyms will uh, really limit their age, meaning like there's a there's a, yeah. a minimum age that's actually probably lower than certainly what we allow here and other. Uh, parkour gyms would allow to enter and I, I get it but at the same time it kind of just seems like they're throwing in the towel <laughs> and and climbing is so popular that they probably don't need the extra revenue yeah from the drop-ins from kids and that I don't know, maybe that's a solution maybe you know grow grow parkour to the point where you don't need the extra revenue from kids um, I think I think a lot of uh, maybe gym goers and gym owners maybe think of that as like the, the, the dream scenario for open gym. And, and we, we do that a little bit here where we have like a 13 plus open gym, you know, teen adult, the, the evening open gym seems sees less children because it's so late that most of them aren't going to, aren't going to be there. Yeah. But it just, it just, sometimes it just feels like it sucks that we can't just like coexist better. I guess that's well, and, and it would it would suck for the kids that are actually dedicated and interested in parkour to like not be able to come and practice at a, in an open environment. Yeah, yeah, because you can have a seven year old who totally gets it. It's yeah. rare, but yeah, but yeah, they yeah. exist. Yeah, exactly. And so, if you have a blanket rule that says like eight and up or ten and up, then you you limit uh, some great kids' ability to to take part but i don't actually know how it works at uh, going back to climbing gyms because I've, I've spent a bit of time there was one year where i, I was really into bouldering and then i totally stopped but I, I don't recall there being much announcement it's just kind of like you start walking towards the wall and then if you see someone in the corner of your eye who's also walking towards the wall you just point like huh what are you doing this one this one it's also so clearly identified the routes you know yeah and, and most people don't like freestyle again unless you're a child you might just Start going all over the place. Um, the very first time I went to a bouldering gym, mm-hmm. I didn't know how the routes worked. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I had a friend that just told me right away how, how it went. Yeah, and I got down and they were like, hey, so you're supposed to follow the like taped color. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, it's much harder now. Just, <laughs> or you just don't, no, no, you, you don't get it. I do parkour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make my own way. <laughs> 
free yeah. run. It's it's the toughest thing is that, um, and I think if, you know, I reach the goal of uh, eventually opening up like another big gym, it's, that's going to be part of the, the design strategy is trying to think like, you know, how it, how it works uh, with, with the use. Cause in, in, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is in origins gym, there are a lot of higher walls that you can't see around. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of places where you can't see. And so this will affect you again, even if you're a skilled practitioner. And so I wonder if that was like a mistake, like, oh, too, too much density of high walls. We need to have a bit more separation here. I feel like I'm gonna have such a tough time designing another gym because I, I think so much more critically about it now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I often loathe the, the gym design that we have because you know when I when I designed the initial build out which is which we've changed and added to and taken away from but when I designed the original one it was just like oh I think this will be cool yeah. <laughs> I think I would enjoy this um, but I wasn't thinking about how a lot of other people would use it and, or specifically for class formatting yeah yeah like when I when I give uh, anytime someone asks me for like gym advice I'm always saying think about your classes like your your class program or even come up with a class program and come up with a schedule and stuff before gym design i think gym design actually should come after which is hard to do sometimes if you're on a timeline and a specific budget where you just need to get like like you need to start building right but if if time is on their side then i would always like suggest have have like a bit of an idea of a schedule and class plan ahead of time before you design because it's going to change how they, they think about the gym design because the doing that in reverse it, it's tough because now it's like oh here's the gym all right we want to start teaching like anytime we have to add a new skill to the program or like a new tweak on something or a new look it's always tricky because we have to think about all right well what part of the gym are we going to teach this in effectively yeah. Because we can't have a class like all over the place in the gym too. It has to be kind of like concentrated to a specific zone in the gym in order to have a good class where you can pay attention to everybody. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the big limitation is is time, right? Like most days, there's only a small window of time where you can fit classes. So you have, I don't know, from like 4 p.m. till 9 p.m. is like generally your time period for classes where the earlier times you'll probably reserve for kids and the later times you'll reserve for adults. And so with that limited amount of time, you want to try and cram as many classes as you can in there, especially if you have a large space like we do. So it's like, well, if there's multiple classes happening at the same time, then there has to be like this like dance of groups going around the space and utilizing the space in different ways so that they can learn the different skills that are involved in parkour. Yeah. So gym design is actually like critical for, for teaching classes, mm -hmm. but, but I think you're right. You need to understand like, what do you want to teach and how do you want to approach teaching and then design your gym around that mm -hmm. unless you're trying to build a arena that's the other thing do you do you want to uh, host a big competition that has a good area where people can sit because that's that's another factor that you know 
certainly in, in the uh, changes we've made, that that has been a tricky one to to navigate. Well, also open space is super important too, because even for classes, right? Just like you mm-hmm. need gathering spaces, gathering spaces where people can like all come together or running approaches. You need open space for that. You can't like, there's a lot of gyms that just kind of like clutter the gym with walls and things in the way. And it's like, yeah, you could do a lot of jumps, but you can't run up into any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, uh, big hole sometimes with, uh, trying to build. T- I don't know. I, I, we tried not to build too much at first and then kind of add and that's helped, but there's just still so many things. And I think the biggest glaring weakness of, of origins is there's uh, our whole area that we um, sometimes refer to as the kingdom is like, just <laughs> you can't see yeah. if, you're, if you're over on one side of the gym, you cannot see anything that's happening over there um, until you actually walk around the walls and, and enter the area. And I still like, you know, as we're having this conversation, it's always in my head of like, how can we change that? I've, I've had some ideas about like plexiglass type walls. Yeah. Yeah. I was about that. I was literally yeah. about to say, oh, plexiglass. Yeah. What, which gym? Uh, Daryl Stingley's old gym had um, a couple of like plexiglass kind of windows that I thought were really smart. So like the entire wall wasn't plexi. It was the, the wall had a steel frame and then wood that was attached to the steel frame and then a, a window that was plexi and so like you you could um, put your foot flat on the window but what it helped with is that you could see around another smart thing they actually had there that i just remembered and this could actually be really useful for a lot of gyms is they had those mirrors up in the oh like the convex mirrors yeah is that so what that they're you, called <laughs> yeah yeah like the the like rounded windows i was gonna say grocery store mirrors <laughs> I think of it like parking garage mirrors. Yeah, yeah, like anytime I'm going in. The ones you take a selfie in with your homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they're in the corner so you could see somebody's around the corner. That's actually, Mm -hmm. that would be cool. Yeah, I don't know where I would put them exactly. And and it's also, you have to make people aware that, I I don't think they did a very good job of of, uh, letting people, making people aware that you could use them. But if it's written in like, if you have like a gym etiquette poster or orientation, that's something you would want to tell people is like, hey, we also have these mirrors that you can, you know, look up to, to, to see around, the, see corner around the corner before you run around it. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of challenges in origins where that require me to run out of a blind peak. spot. Yeah. You got to peek around yeah. the corner first before you go. Yeah. And yeah. It just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Or like anytime I'm walking underneath the runway, mm-hmm. I like look above before I go under, I go under and then I'm like very cautiously nice. like sticking my head out. I do that at like the gym entrance. Oh yeah. That yeah, imagining yeah, that sometimes kids is like the free, like their, their feet could be dangling and I'll be like, I've, I've like tapped feet. Yeah. <laughs> They're walking under just tap the person's foot before I, <laughs> before I actually yeah. go under. It's like swimming etiquette. Yeah. You tap the foot. <laughs> <laughs> you only get that if you know about swimming etiquette. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we still had this whole conversation and I'm like, I just don't know. There's little things that can be done, but it's still really, really tricky. And, and I was actually hoping like when I had looked up like skateboard etiquette, I, I didn't do, I didn't do like a lot of research. You so, that, you know, yeah. maybe someone could, again, uh, if, if anyone is really familiar with like skate park etiquette, they could, they could chime in. But yeah, I just, I, I still feel kind of a little bit at a loss 
Uh, I feel I feel like we could be doing better and we could establish something, but it's something that everyone has to be in on. It's hard enough that we uh, can't agree on a Kong or a cat pass. And so to ask everyone to like behave a certain way seems like it's even it's even uh, a oh, harder ask. This reminds me, this is total aside, but you said Kong or cat pass. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know how Storer has been like stubbornly calling everything cat pass for years? Yes. In the store awards, they said Kong. They said they Kong. They did. Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, well. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and show you because because uh, mm. I actually didn't catch it. Caroline did. Oh. It was just like on in the background. She's like doing some work. She's like, did they just say Kong? And I was like, wait, what? And, and I went she's back. aware of it. Yeah, yeah. So. Do you know who, which member? I think it was Max. Ooh. Good job, Max. Yeah. Get on that Kong train. Mm-hmm. Just accept it. I know urban free flow, it's a stain on, uh, on <laughs> parkour culture and history, but, you know, it's just, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to accept it. And mm-hmm. also, in retrospect, people who have urban free flow tattoos didn't age as poorly as, uh, as we thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of... Kind of okay. Wait, doesn't Ernest have one? Er- yeah, Ernest, Ernest have one. does have an urban free flow tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dylan showed me like some some guy has like a hub tattoo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not into tattoos. Yeah. We tell. Yeah. Clean. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this, not a lot of people know this. Mm. You do have a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Um, but it's hidden. You know? <laughs> hidden except for when I land pre's and my back my shirt still, flips yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> you can still get a job. You know? <laughs> I'm going to start tucking my shirt in when I do parkour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, this is a short episode I think, today, yeah, I think, but... I think it's a short episode. There's a, I mean, we, we talked at length about etiquette, and mm-hmm. I thought we were coming to some good conclusions, but now in retrospect, I don't really think we have any good solutions other no. than be assertive, but that's going to be really hard, and sometimes that might backfire because you might stop a jam of over 100 people, and they all watch you not commit to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and uh, I, I guess the one good solution that I think we already kind of knew was just train with others, right? Because they mm-hmm. can help you um, with... It's like spotters. Yeah. But yeah. spotters not in the sense of like spotting your... Well, they are spotting your body, but not, not in close proximity. They're spotting, they're spotting you for other like traffic control. Yeah. Traffic spot. That's actually something that like skateboarding does is mm. because sometimes like oh, a line or a trick might finish going into a street. Mm-hmm. So like there will be people out in the road blocking traffic just in case it starts coming. Yeah. I think this is going to enter into a, a couple staff meetings for me as well. Because I, I think like so much of it is, again, leadership and existing practitioners getting into these better habits of spotting other people, you know, making sure that when you're training, like it's totally okay if training is selfish if you're trying to get your thing done, but understanding that if, if you help other people, they're also going to help you. Yeah. Right. So you can get that, that relationship going. 
But also like when, you know, when you were talking about parents being in here and not really understanding etiquette, they need to be continually informed mm -hmm. about the existing etiquette rules that we have. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause we have, we already, we already have existing rules. Like, you know, make sure you're looking around, you know, don't rest on structures, mm -hmm. things like that. So if they're encouraged to, to be reminded, gently reminded, Hey, like just make sure you're not sitting on the equipment somebody might want to use it but also maybe educating them a little bit more on like the way parkour is practiced in that like yeah somebody might want to repeat a jump just because they did it once doesn't mean they're not gonna do it again so make sure you're aware of mm -hmm. somebody going back to repeat the same thing mm -hmm. uh, if you notice that they're doing it right yeah the, the other thing that's coming to mind uh that i was going to add here was talking about staff so jam staff or open gym staff should be the people that are appointed to be uh, actually like traffic spotters. Mm. I think I think that could work quite quite well. So again, you have people that are coming around and like their their job, uh, whether they work at a gym or if they're working at a jam, their job is to go around and you know see if they can get people paired up to try to help people get into the fold. But then in addition to that, because if they're working, then they're not training. So in addition to that, they could also be controlling traffic. And I, I think if if that becomes part of the culture, that anytime there is a big open gym or a big jam and there's someone knowledgeable who's like involved as that traffic controller, they probably don't need to be disciplining kids or, or things like that in, in the gym setting, you know, because if they're standing on top of a structure that's not being used or standing, you know, in a place that's visible, and they're directing people like, you can go now, you can go now. And maybe they make their rounds to say like, what are you, you know, what are you working on? Oh, cool. All right. You're gonna go this way. Cool. And then they, they talk to another person. What are you working on? Oh, you're, you're going to be crossing the pass with this other person that I just realized. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to just insert myself here and, and make sure you both are aware of each other, you know? Yeah. And save you some, save you some trouble like that. And then, and then say, you know, save everyone else some trouble in the, in the, in the gym. I wonder if that might be a, we'll have to try it. I don't know. It might be, that might be a good approach as well. But I have a feeling we're just going to have to re re revisit this conversation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and try some things and, and see, see if any of it works. Great. Yeah. Again, leave some comments below if you have any ideas and ways to help enforce etiquette or actually better etiquette rules to follow. Or just like share some stories about jam etiquette failures in mm. in mm. the comments below like at a jam that you've been to or at open gym uh, we'd love to hear because it's just part of it's part of the experience so far in parkour yeah all right well thanks for tuning in uh, i think we're back to weekly I'm doing the best job of, of weekly and uh sunday is going to be upload day for us so in the short term we're going to see you every sunday Yes, and we are on a new channel if you haven't noticed already. So please make sure you subscribe and share it with somebody so that they can subscribe because we're really trying to grow the STS Parkour Podcast channel. So thanks so much for tuning in. And with that, we'll catch you in the next one.